This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements, helping injured people and their families since 1975. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by Allstate, American General, John Hancock, Liberty Mutual, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello and welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, the head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and we're certainly glad you could join us again today. Well, when an individual is injured in the workplace, there's not only a physical impact, but a financial one. And since workers' compensation payments are made periodically, normally weekly, a structured settlement is simply just another way of delivering benefits to an injured worker. So today on Ringler Radio, we're going to talk about structured settlements in workers' compensation cases. We'll discuss the benefits, the process, and the task of educating clients on the long-term impact of using a structured settlement. And joining me today to help as my co-host is my Ringler colleague, Peter Early, from New Bedford, New Hampshire office. Peter joined Ringler in 2005 and became an associate in 2012. Prior to joining Ringler, Peter worked in the U.S. Senate office of Lincoln Chafee in Washington, D.C., and he lobbied on behalf of the healthcare industry uh, as well. So welcome, Pete. It's, uh, it's great to have you with us as our co-host. Thank you, Larry. It's always a pleasure to be on the show, and I appreciate having me back. Well, you know, uh, one thing I want to tell you, Peter, is your former boss, Lincoln Chafee, is running for the presidency of the United States. So uh, that's pretty uh, pretty high cotton, don't you think? It is It is pretty cool to see someone you used to work for running for the president, I'll tell you that. Well, it's, it's always interesting. Uh, as you know, my daughter worked for Senator John Kerry for a while, so getting involved in that political climate is... Uh, is a, is a little uh, it's hectic for, for sure, but also uh, invigorating as well. So hopefully he'll he'll do well and you'll still be there for him. Well, you know, it's always nice to say maybe he can say, you know, uh, I can say I knew him when, but uh, we'll see what happens. It's fun to watch, that's for sure. Exactly. And joining us today as our special guest is attorney Alan Pierce from the firm Pierce, Pierce and Napolitano, Salem, Massachusetts. And uh, Alan, welcome to Ringler Radio. Great to have you back. Thank you, Larry, and uh, thank you, Peter. Well, Alan, in your practice, what kind of injuries are you presently seeing in the workplace? Uh, what's, what's happening? Uh, workers' comp covers injuries that arise out of the person's employment. And um, naturally and historically, the most common injuries have always been to the body parts that, that bear load, uh, uh, backs, knees, shoulders. Um, and as we have moved from a, at least in Massachusetts, a manufacturing-based economy to a service-based economy, uh, we're starting to see other types of injuries that have become more prevalent. We're seeing more repetitive stress injuries that are affecting uh, hands and wrists, notably carpal tunnel syndrome, uh, ulnar nerve and the elbow problems. And uh, for some reason, I have noticed, and I've discussed this with my colleagues, a significant increase in shoulder injuries. And I've discussed this with a couple of orthopedic surgeons and um, asked if they're seeing more shoulder uh, problems in their practice. And uh, they they have been. I think a lot has to do with uh, the fact that uh, uh, people have become more conscious in lifting and are, are, are um, people that have jobs that involve lifting are doing it in a much more healthy way. 
And um, another reason is the diagnostics for isolating shoulder uh, problems, MRIs, et cetera, and arthroscopes have uh, pinpointed uh, injuries that people uh, primarily kind of just work through and weren't diagnosed. So uh, we're seeing, you know, a lot more upper extremity injuries uh, than mm-hmm. the back and knee or neck injuries that we had seen. Interesting. And we've also seen a rise in uh, psychological and psychiatric injuries as the law has developed over the last 20 or 30 years, recognizing psychiatric or psychological stress as something that uh, can be compensable under workers' comp laws. It wasn't too long ago when I started practice that the only psychiatric or psychological disability claims that were compensable or covered under workers' comp had to be subsequent to a physical injury. Uh, So that if somebody who developed depression or somebody who developed psychiatric issues following a physical trauma uh, could have those claims um, accepted. But... uh, uh, it took some drastic cases to uh, allow for recovery when there has been no physical injury, when it's a purely mental stress, a holdup in a, in a bank and a teller has a post-traumatic stress disorder. Years ago, those weren't covered. They are covered now. Right. And, you know, one of the other areas that I think we're starting to see a little more is when you have these crush injuries to, let's say, the extremities or the feet, are you, are you seeing some of these pain syndromes uh coming up like RSD and uh... yeah yeah you know it's funny it seems like every uh, every decade or two there are new diagnoses or new terms for uh, unlabeled diagnosis uh, you mentioned uh, RSD which is reflex sympathetic dystrophy uh, this goes by other names there's something similar to that called fibromyalgia uh, which is a uh, somewhat controversial diagnosis. Some doctors buy into it, some doctors don't, but there are presumably some objective signs that will confirm uh, fibromyalgia. Uh, then there are terms like chronic regional pain syndrome or CRIPS, which is probably has elements of, uh, of RSD to it. Mm-hmm. Um, we Back in the late 80s and early 90s, we saw something called chronic fatigue syndrome. We don't see that much anymore, at least labeled in that fashion. Well, it strikes me that that becomes the battleground in some of these cases to kind of, uh, you know, some of the broken bones are are easy, but some of these other uh, more esoteric type type, uh, ailments uh, are are a little tougher uh, to prove. Yeah, and and, uh, I think the leading um, uh, candidate for that classification of injury is something called multiple chemical sensitivity. And there are a lot of environmental illnesses uh, as a result of mold, as a result of uh, poor ventilation, as a a result of uh, some older buildings that may have been constructed in the 60s and 70s before we had uh, some more modern controls and safety features, and people have become sick. And chemically... um, uh, sensitive to even things like uh, deodorants, perfumes, uh, car exhaust, just normal things that we would find in, in society. And medical science really hasn't identified MCS, a multiple, multiple chemical sensitivity, as a legitimately uh, termed diagnosis. But there are other features. Uh, it could be called allergic rhinitis. There are other types of uh, recognized diagnoses, but I've, I've been involved in several what we would call sick building cases in which the end result is somebody or clients that are profoundly limited in what they can do. Some insurers take the position that this is purely psycho- psychological, psychiatric based. I don't believe that. 
and I don't believe medical science has yet figured out the exact reason why some of these people are getting significantly ill long after they're removed from the site of the exposure, whether there's some damage to the immune system. Uh, I think there's, it's still a work in progress, but no I've question. had a number of those cases, and no they are qu- troubling. No question. You know, Alan, you talk a lot about these injuries that extend beyond, you know, what you think of as a normal work compensation injury, whether it's a knee injury or low back or shoulder, some of these more catastrophic or like Larry said, less definable injuries. And a lot of times that can take a deep impact, not only on the worker, but on their family as well. Can you talk a little bit about how a worker's comp claim and settlement affects the family of the worker? Yeah, well, exactly. In fact, when I, when I have a client come into the office for the initial uh, visit, uh, I usually encourage, if, if there's a spouse or a partner, I usually encourage that person to attend because uh, what happens when somebody is out of work, as Larry mentioned in his introduction, uh, there's not only the physical injury, but there's the financial strain on the family. Workers' comp pays a portion of the injured worker's average wage, and it pays the medical bills, not without some bumps along the way, uh, but most most workers these days live from paycheck to paycheck. So if they're getting 60% or even 66% of their pre-injury wage, even though that weekly compensation benefit is tax-free, they are still making or receiving less money while they're recovering. And as a result, um, especially if the employer cancels or uh, requires the worker to pay his or her share of health insurance, there is a financial strain. And there is also the strain of the worker now being home, the tension with the spouse over that, um, the fact that um, social life is impacted. Um, sometimes there's uncertainties in terms of the benefits. There may be a dispute with the insurance company. And um, if there are problems in a marriage going into an injury, they are likely to be exacerbated. And if everything is going fine prior to an injury, uh, it is something that could tend to create some friction. Well, no question about that. And, you know, because, you know, the injury leads to ultimately receiving workers' compensation benefits and maybe even potentially a settlement of those benefits, that's a fairly complex process for an individual to go through. So how do you help ease that process? Well, tell, tell us about that. Settlement is an option, is, is uh, something that... Uh, can be uh, a device that can be used to effectively terminate or end a worker's compensation claim. So when I broach the subject of settlement with a client, first of all, the case has to be in a posture where settlement is advisable. Uh, Usually the person has to be pretty much at a medical end result. Uh, I very rarely, if ever, will settle a case if there is an expectation soon after settlement or with a reasonable time there may be some further surgery. So we like to settle a case when a person is at a medical end result and you have an idea of what their future ability to earn or not earn is going to be. So there's two concepts to a settlement. One is, is it the time to settle Is because there is a finality? And then number two is the amount. And how do you determine a fair and equitable amount to settle the case? The injured worker is, in a sense, selling his or her claim for a sum of money uh, which is finite and which at some point will be spent. And um, the, there has to be some uh, preparation for what what does that person do after the settlement monies are, are spent or dissipated. 
and that is sometimes uh, the perfect setting where a structured settlement is the best of both worlds. It, it allows the parties to settle a case, and, and cases are settled for a variety of reasons. One could be there is a substantial question as to whether or not the person is even eligible for continuing workers' comp benefits. They may have come to the end of temporary benefit, and there is no certainty that they're going to succeed to permanent benefits. So there's some risk involved. It's an all-or-nothing type of case. If they don't get permanent benefits, they may not get anything. Uh, or it could be a situation where they are getting $600 a week in weekly benefits and just barely struggling along, and there is an opportunity to settle the case for several hundred thousand dollars or, or less than that and go on and maybe try to put this whole unfortunate matter behind them, either invest the money, start a business, or use it as a cushion if they go back and make less money and use the proceeds of the settlement to, to supplement their reduced earnings. Sure, sure. Yeah, you know, Alan, you talk about how nicely a structured settlement can often dovetail with the workers' comp settlement if that's, you know, the road that, that you're going down. Um, and I think you, you did a really nice job of touching on exactly how well that uh, those two things can go together. Can you expand a little bit on that, on um, just how much it can benefit the claimant to, uh, to consider using a structured settlement versus a lump sum when settling their claim? Yeah, well, first of all, most of my clients, and this is uh, this is not a put down of my clients, it's just a reality. Most of my clients are not accustomed to having a large sum of money at any time in their life. They are not necessarily very financially sophisticated. And uh, workers' comp, which is a type of periodic benefits, as Larry said, you get it once a week or biweekly or ho- however. There are some jurisdictions you might get paid monthly, but it's it's something that comes in every week, not unlike a paycheck. So if you are closing your case by way of a settlement and it's a, let's just say it's a six-figure settlement, it's many years of future workers' compensation benefits up front, um, you know, there's a fear that the person will not wisely handle that. Uh, secondly, um, a large sum of money is usually invested in some fashion, and the purpose of an investment is obviously to create a stream of income from that principle, and that stream of income, if it is if it is placed into an investment vehicle by the injured worker, it's taxable. Uh, However, in a structure, uh, because the insurance company purchases the annuity and has the control over purchasing the annuity, under our tax code, uh, any interest uh, or income that is generated from that principle is not taxable and not taxed to the recipient. So that... uh, when one looks at the rate of return that's built into a structured settlement in an annuity, uh, that rate is, is essentially tax-free or after tax. Um, so if somebody, and, and these days, of course, um, the, the markets are somewhat volatile and the, the banks, the money markets, you, you know, you're looking at 1% or less, uh, so that there is no realistic investment opportunities, uh, for a relatively unsophisticated recipient of a workers' comp settlement. So a structured would pay a structured settlement would pay a guaranteed monthly amount for a defined term. It could be ten years, could be twenty years, it could be life, uh, and guaranteed for ten or twenty years. There are a variety, and you folks know better than I, of ways to take a sum of money, whether it's let's say three hundred thousand dollars, and put it into a vehicle that will spin off X dollars a month for either ten years or a lifetime, and there is a certainty. 
uh, an expectation of what that claimant will receive. The other benefit would be if an injured worker passes away and has not settled the case, the workers' compensation benefits stop for the benefit of uh, spouse or children. A structure that is guaranteed or annuity that's guaranteed, even if that person were to suddenly die the day after the settlement, uh, the structure payments uh, would continue for as long as the term of the, uh, the agreement. Well, no question about that. And, you know, you could have uh, just you just gave a great seminar for structured settlements there, uh, Alan. That's uh, ter- terrific. And, and, you know, you mentioned the tax advantages, and, and, and those are important. No question about that. But, uh, you know, what we find, especially talking about the, the types of clients that you described, is that most people, even with good intentions, tend to spend a lump of money that's in their hands. They tend to spend it a lot more quickly than they ever thought they would. So all of a sudden, time goes by and the money is gone. For You look around and you wonder where it all went, but it's gone. And, and this protective process of a structure, uh, we find, is, is probably one of the better better advantages of a structure. And we, you know, I know Peter does too. We get Christmas cards from people who have done structures, even though the, the, the upfront cash that they've had is long gone. So there's an appreciation of that. And I think you've, uh, you've talked about that very well. Yeah. Well, thank you. And, and, uh, you know, there's another category of cases in which a structure is particularly welcomed. And that is a, uh, unfortunate death case where uh, the money is being paid to the widower, widower, and for his or her support and the support of their minor children. And I have settled a, a couple of cases relatively recently in which um, the structure, in effect, was tied into the college years of the, in one case in particular, with two kids, they were four years apart, and the annuity and the structure ba- basically paid for or is going to pay for a good chunk of their college, uh, and the structure doesn't kick in until they reach 18 and ends at age 22 for each of those kids. And uh, they may not have been able to afford college on the weekly amount uh, that the sp- you know the dependent spouse was getting, but the structure enabled um, them to not have to worry about uh, most of God knows what the college education costs will be when they reach college age, the way they've been going up steadily, but. It, it uh, contemplated that and it built in, you know, an inflation factor. So, of course, the longer you go out before the uh, annuity company pays out the money, the bigger so-called bang for the buck you'll get, the bigger return you'll get. And I had an, an eight-year-old and a, a four-year-old kid, so we were looking 10 and 14 years out before the annuity started to make payments so that that money, uh, you know, effectively more than doubled before uh, the structures came out. And and that's a lot of what we're talking about today is that long-term financial security. And, you know, we've talked about everything from, you know, the knee injury that prevents somebody from working all the way up to, you know, an, an unfortunate case where the injured worker, uh, you know, does not survive the accident. Um, so we see everything on the spectrum from some people who are able to go, go back to work and some people who have a debilitating injury such that going back to work is not an option. Can you talk a little bit more about the long-term aspect of settling a claim and how a structure uh, can, you know, set somebody up? for that long-term uncertainty after an injury in the workplace? Uh, yeah, because worker, workers' comp benefits, as I mentioned, are for usually a defined period of time. So, it, you know, whatever I say varies from state to state. I know uh, this podcast is probably heard all over the country, and uh, what what the laws are in Massachusetts um, are, are quite different than what they may be in New Hampshire or California. Uh, but in Massachusetts, and I'll use that as an example because it's fairly typical, 
one can collect temporary total disability benefits for no more than three years, and one can collect temporary partial disability benefits no more than five years. So you have a pretty finite period of time that you can collect weekly benefits unless you are permanently and totally disabled, at which point the benefits can conceivably go for the rest of that person's life. So let's take a case where the claim is for permanent and total disability benefits, and of course some states have permanent partial disability benefits where the benefits can go you know, long into the future and perhaps the recipient's lifetime. Um, there could be a dispute as to how much that weekly benefit is going to be. There could be a dispute as to whether the person is, in fact, permanent in total. There could be a dispute, in fact, after they've been placed on permanent benefits, whether they still are entitled. There may be some additional healing or there may be some vocational rehab or there may be some activities that that person has been seen doing that may be inconsistent with disability. So there could be a challenge to the ongoing payment of those benefits. Number two, the, the ravages of inflation uh, sometimes make those benefits decline over a period of time. Uh, some states have cost of living adjustments, some don't. And it could be that a worker who's getting $600 a week, 10 years after an injury, may find that that $600 a week or even after cost of living might be 680 a week just isn't enough to be able to lead uh, of the, life, the type of life they would like to do. A structure uh, could give them a lump sum of cash, which they could do whatever wish they whatever they wish. Or if it were an annuity, it would be a guaranteed monthly amount, usually less than what they're getting, uh, but it would be guaranteed. Uh, another thing we haven't covered is a structured settlement doesn't have to be all structured. You could structure part of the settlement, and you could take a certain amount in upfront cash. The one I can think of most recently is I had a client who had a mortgage and had a second mortgage and was paying about $2,000 a month in uh, interest and principal on these mortgages. And with the settlement, we were able to get a upfront cash, which allowed that person to pay off both mortgages and free up $2,000 a month um, we were able to reduce a Social Security offset, which we haven't covered, but people who are on comp know that they sometimes have reduced Social Security disability. And so, and then there was some cash left over for that person to, to have, and then he, he got an annuity that gave him a monthly amount guaranteed for, the, uh, for 20 years, which would take him into his 80s, and payable for his life, and that monthly annuity covered his well, he no longer had uh, mortgage payments. It covered his basic expenses and allowed him to actually live more comfortably. He got out from under, you know, this onerous uh, mortgage and second mortgage. And the combination of upfront cash and then an annuity made sense for him. Uh, also, it offered some protection for his spouse because, as I mentioned, when we settled his case, he was uh, in his early 60s, and you never know what could happen life expectancy-wise. And if he were to die while on workers' comp, his wife would not have been able to support herself. Uh, this way, um, the house was paid off, and the annuity would have protected her uh, if he predeceased her. So it, it just made sense all the way around. No question about that. And, uh, you know, you've touched on this several times uh, during this podcast, but, you know, when you have someone who dies and there's a widow left uh, and there is some kind of a structure put in place for the widow, at least at that point, 
you know, if she decides to remarry, she doesn't lose the comp benefits because she's a, it's been settled and a, and, a, and a structure has been put in place. And that structure not only allows, and that settlement not only allows her to move forward, let's say, and, and remarry, whereas in, in, if, if she had done that without a settlement, she might have lost her benefits. It also protects those funds moving forward from this new, new spouse or new individual in her life. So there are a lot of protective features of the structures that I know are very beneficial to a lot of your clients as well. Well, let's take a quick break right now, and we'll be back in just a minute with a lot more on Ringler Radio with Alan Pierce and, of course, my co-host, Peter Early. We'll be right back. This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates, the leader in the structured settlements profession nationwide. Did you know that Ringler is involved in a third of all structured settlement cases in the country? Ringler Associates works with all the parties in a lawsuit settlement to find the best possible financial solution for the people involved. There's a Ringler Associate in all the major cities of the U.S. No one has more experience than a Ringler Associate. Check out our new website at www.ringlerassociates.com for the best information for claimants, legal professionals, and claims personnel, and to find the Ringler Associate nearest you. When it's your interest at stake in a lawsuit settlement, you want only the best financial plan. You can count on Ringler Associates to structure a customized plan that meets the needs of you and your family for the future. Visit ringlerassociates.com to learn more. Well, welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us. I'm your host, Larry Cohen, and today I'm joined by my co-host and Ringler colleague, Peter Early, from New Bedford, New Hampshire, and our special guest, Alan Pierce, a lawyer in the firm of Pierce, Pierce, and Napolitano in Salem, Massachusetts. Well, Alan... What seem to be the professions these days that report more workers' compensation cases uh, and have more injured workers? What 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 are you seeing? Uh, that's a good question. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we we here in Massachusetts no longer have as many manufacturing plants, factories, um, and uh, the few that we do. Uh, we're, of course, we, we're seeing injuries uh, in my neck of the woods. We have. Uh, General Electric has a uh, very large jet engine manufacturing facility, so we we do get a variety of primarily orthopedic injuries out of the General Electric plant. Uh, But I am seeing a fair amount of injuries that are coming from um, nursing homes and hospitals. Uh, I'm seeing a, uh, you know, people, especially people that are transferring patients, uh, where I can't tell you how many people come in and say they're short staffed and a two person lift has become a one person lift, getting, getting an infirmer elderly patient from bed to bathroom, uh, we're seeing back and shoulder injuries, patients that are falling. Um, I'm not sure that there is as adequate training for some of these folks. They're usually, uh, entry level, uh, uh, people and so we're seeing a lot of um, injuries to certified nurse assistants, CNAs. Uh, we see injuries, obviously, in the hotel industry for the maids and 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 people that are making the beds. Um, we have a um, uh, a lot of um, people working in offices, and we're, as I mentioned, we're seeing some repetitive stress injuries um, and even wear and tear injuries for people that do labor. 
people that work in warehouses, people work in some of the big box stores that are in the uh, in the uh, stock rooms. Um, they have equipment, they have forklifts, they have moving devices, they have belts they wear, but uh, accidents happen. And um, most accidents are preventable, uh, but they're not, you know, they do, they do happen. So um, um, that seems to be what I see uh, primarily uh, when I first started in this business. Peabody in Massachusetts had a big leather industry. Lynn had a big shoe manufacturing industry in Lynn, Massachusetts. Those factories have long since closed and they've been replaced by banks, nursing homes, pharmacies, um, uh, uh, Internet, um, uh, high tech uh, companies. And um, as a result, we are not seeing the degree of people get, getting hurt lifting and uh, reaching that we used to. But we still have the trades. You know, you still have the, you know, the union workers um, on construction projects and you know right now we are ha- we're enjoying a building boom at least in downtown boston and uh so you know we have the you know the electrical workers steel workers iron workers uh, the various contractors and you know unfortunately accidents happen in that workplace as well there you go you know i i noticed that you don't uh list a number of people in the uh insurance and, and legal professions <laughs> um that, that are involved in that and, and unfortunately as, as a result of that a lot of the people who who are subject to these workplace injuries or traumas um are not familiar with the process that's going to come after after the injury and it can often be a a drawn out and um uh, you know complicated procedure do you find that settling cases especially settling cases when you're able to use the structure gives these people who have gone through this long Long, long procedure, some sense of closure or finality to their case? Yeah, that, that's, you, you raise a, a really great point, Peter. Uh, I'm not a psychologist. I don't play one on TV, but I have picked up from my experience, and, and we mentioned right at the beginning about having the family involved. Uh, being involved in the system, and I use the word system generically, whether it's a workers' comp system, uh, or any other, whether it's a lawsuit or being in litigation, that takes a toll psychologically it, on anybody. Um, it, 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 you're not a weak individual if it doesn't affect you, and it affects the family. And some doctors and some psychologists will tell you, and I subscribe to this a bit, not as much as some of my uh, people on the other side of the ideological fence, that recovery from a physical injury is oftentimes complicated. I won't say drawn out, but I'll say complicated by the fact that you need to continually prove to somebody, whether it's an insurance adjuster, whether it's an insurance doctor, whether it's a judge at the industrial accident board, whether it's the social security, you have to prove that you're still disabled in order to keep getting benefits. How do you prove that you're still disabled? You have to have a medical report, a doctor that says your complaints of pain are such that you cannot go back to work. And no matter how honest an individual is, if there is some type of tie-in to the more you complain, the, the, the easier time you'll have in a contested process, uh, human nature is such that without consciously trying to embellish, uh, that it's somehow being involved in the system gets in the way of putting something behind you and moving forward. People get stuck. They get stuck uh, they are angry. They're angry that it happened to them. They're sometimes angry with their employer. They're very frequently angry with the insurance company. Sometimes they get angry with me. Um, and as a result, I can't tell you how many times somebody has closed a case, has settled a case and said, you know what? 
even though I entered an area of somewhat certainty to an area of uncertainty, I'm so much happier now. I've got that behind me. I'm now focusing on the future. I'm not reflecting on the past and trying to figure out, you know, this future is being defined by other people. It's being defined by a system. It's being defined by a judge. It's being defined by my lawyer and the insurance company. I want to get this behind me. And I'm not saying in every case it's a, uh, you know, a golden bomb that somehow makes you better. Uh, but being able to close a case and be fairly remunerated for doing that by, by getting proper compensation for doing that uh, many times does lead to a happier existence going forward. You know, and, let, and let's, let's be frank about it. You know, in some of those instances when people, once they settle a case, uh, some of those debilitating injuries that they may have had and, and they may have been real, uh, oftentimes, as you said, uh, maybe the, the, the bomb or the green poultice or whatever, it, it does allow an individual sometimes to re-enter the workforce in some capacity, which gives that person a, a feeling of, of self-respect, and I think it pr- produces a, a better home environment for them as they move forward. Yeah, I mean, workers' comp is necessary. There has to be some way of, of, of allowing somebody to subsist after an injury. However, by the same token, um, it it isn't... It isn't designed to be something lifelong and enduring, and uh, it does tend to create a reliance. And uh, uh, I'm not saying people are dishonest. In fact, I I can venture to say that 90% of the people that employers or insurance companies think are extending and and drawing out a claim are really not. Uh, uh, But by the same token, they're stuck and people that, that are out there and, and listening to the show that are in this situation know exactly what I'm talking about. They feel they are stuck. They have lost control. And it, it, there's, there's a disincentive, a financial disincentive, somehow built into this. Sure. And uh, people, people, legislators and lobbyists and insurance specialists and consultants are constantly looking at alternative ways of, and, you know, like they say of democracy, it's, 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 it's the best that we have. Um, it's, it's, it's not perfect and we're always striving to make it better. Um, but, um, there's nothing, everybody says, uh, the best case is a closed case. Uh, the, uh, the trick is to not close it to the disadvantage of your client. Well, Alan, how can you go about educating your clients in what their options are, both at the ten, you know shortly after the injury and then when settlement's being considered? And what role does a structured settlement or a structured settlement professional have in in helping you uh, decide on what your options are and educating your client? Yeah, first of all, when I when I meet with a client, I almost never talk about settlement. I may refer to the fact that somewhere down the road there may be a settlement, but unlike an auto accident case where it either goes to trial or goes to or you settle, a workers' compensation case doesn't have to settle. It's something that is uh, done by mutual agreement. So I mention it out there, but I very rarely dwell on it at the initial interview. I only get into discussions of settlement when either it is suggested by the insurance company as an option or when uh, the injured worker is at the point where uh, they are getting close to maximum improvement and especially if there is an issue coming up as to how long they're going to continue to um, to be able to collect. And we sit down and we I, I will um, put on paper what they might expect to get on the best case scenario if they don't settle the case. Uh, what they may get on the worst case scenario if they don't settle the case, which oftentimes could be a zero, and then give them ideas of how I value the case. Uh, I look at their age, 
I look at their uh, pre-injury average wage, what their potential post-injury or post-settlement wage might be, and I look at um, the amount they're getting per week, and uh, we arrive at a range of figures. Uh, the range would be what my asking figure is. Um, the other end of the range would be what I would consider to be fair. And then I give them usually a third guesstimate of what I think the initial settlement offer would be and where I think they'll end up if we negotiate. And if I get the client agreeing with me that the figure that is in the, my range that we could get the insurance to is something he or she would accept, uh, we then commence the negotiations. Terrific. Uh, you know, this has been a, a far-reaching discussion. I think it's been an excellent one. I think our audience is uh, going to be very well informed after this. And, Alan, I, I want to thank you for that. Alan, if somebody wanted to get a, a hold of you and discuss this more at length, uh, how would they do that? Well, uh, thank you for this opportunity. Um, um, I have a website. It's www.ppnlaw. That's Pierce Pierce Napolitano, ppnlaw.com. And um, I have an office in Salem. My uh, phone number is 978-745-0914. And um, while we handle cases in Massachusetts only, I'd be happy to answer any general question or um, I can certainly uh, uh, direct you to uh, competent folks in pretty much any other jurisdiction. Terrific. And Peter, what about yourself if someone wanted to get a hold of you? Well, you can always find myself or any of my colleagues on our website at ringlerassociates.com, including uh, yourself, Larry. But if you want to reach me specifically, you can always get a hold of me at uh, P. Early, E-A-R-L-Y, at ringlerassociates.com, or uh, my office number is 603-423-0055. And, of course, as Peter says, you can get all uh, – you can access any Ringler Associate from our website, ringlerassociates.com. It's a very informative website. It's got a lot of great information on it. And of course, you can also hear Ringler Radio shows by going to ringlerassociates.com. You can also hear those shows on ringlerradio.com, uh, legaltalknetwork.com, or from iTunes, where you can download directly to your, uh, your iPhone or your iPad or your iPod and listen at your leisure. And while I mentioned uh, Legal Talk Network, uh, Alan, uh, I think our audience ought to know that you also have your own show on Legal Talk Network called Workers' Matters. I was waiting Matters. for that opportunity. <laughs> I'm waiting for that opportunity to plug my show. I, I did, I did want to give you that opportunity. And, uh, yeah, it's a terrific show. It's on Legal Talk Network. I have a Network. show called Workers', Workers Comp Matters, uh, and I've been uh, happily doing those shows since, I think, 2005. I think it's been about 10 years. And, uh, Larry, you know uh, that the show's – are as informative for the host, uh, I think, than it, uh, it's at least as informative for the host as it is for the listening audience. No question. Learn so much from my guests uh, that it is a joy to continue to do them. It and is you do a great job. I think it's absolutely true, and uh, you're right. I think you and I have been doing uh, hosting our shows respectively for about the same time frame. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, I have a I have a lot of respect for the people that put these shows on from the production standpoint and uh, you know as you know it's not an easy task sometimes to get that done but you know you know the key to these shows like you know Alan are, are our guests our guests and our even our co-hosts and and putting it all together I think it's uh, terrific especially uh, you've been a terrific guest today and thank I, I want to thank you for that so with that I want to tell our audience out there you've heard some pretty interesting information today about workers comp and structured settlements so take it take it to heart give it some thought and in the meantime, go have a great day. Bye-bye. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own. None of the content should be considered legal advice. 
As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. With over a million listeners, Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements. Visit ringlerassociates.com today.